Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thanks for tuning into the 40th episode on August 17th, 2021. Let's talk about the unique and variable philodendron again. <laughs> Not only can you listen to the podcast, you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And go check out the blog posts that are associated with all these podcasts as well. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure you're commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to this podcast, my blog, and social media posts. You can also help support your favorite podcasts and blog by joining me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. And if you just can't get enough, I send out a bi-monthly newsletter on the first of every other month, also with exclusive content and some updates on what's been happening in the previous months. All right, let's dive in. So here we are again talking about philodendron and here is a few reasons why I actually wanted to do this again because it was episode 14 that I did philodendron and when I did the research for it, it was kind of overwhelming just how many philodendrons are out there. But I think over the last year, because I actually released that last August, I have learned a lot about them and they have become significantly more popular even in the last year. So I wanted to go into more detail about variety and I wanted to clarify a few things that I did use in that podcast that they weren't incorrect, but it's just called something different or something like that. So basically philodendron is like the second largest genus of the plant family. As philodendrons, there's over 500. So house plants, there's probably hundreds of different house plants that people have collected over time and this is one of those plants that people really do like to collect because there is so many options and so many things to grab. It was still variable on wherever I looked or the books I have and what things are called or if there's actually a Latin name or botanical name for them. So mine might not even be 100% accurate, but I went into the depths of Google <laughs> and I was looking up websites that like by the time I was end of like searching for the most part, like I was on websites that weren't even talking about the plant anymore. So like I just went really deep into it to see if I could get more answers. And I did find some good websites that clarified a few things for me. So that's great. But I did do a blog post on this just now. I never did it for the original podcast because I started the blogs after that episode. I think I started them like episode 16 or something. So I never really got to actually creating the blog for that. So the blog post that I am posting with this episode is going to encompass everything I basically talked about in the first podcast and this one as well. And I'm going to go over like the basics of the watering and everything again, just to review it with everyone. But this is mostly going to be talking about variety and it's mostly going to be talking about the differences between them for the most part. Cool. Okay. I do have them in alphabetical order on the blog post. I do not have all of them on there. If I researched the plant and there were other people blogging about it or you could buy it, like I put it on there. If I researched a name and all of a sudden like some science journal came up about it, that means it's not in the plant world very often and you're not really going to find it very often. So I did include a ton of varieties, but just not all of them because some of them are more in nature. You can't really find them necessarily as a houseplant. So that's why we're rolling with this. So 
The first variety is Philodendron bilati. That actually looks pretty cool. It's a really thin leaf, really thin stem, and it's very, very like sharp V-shaped with like very, very sharp heart shape, I guess I should say, is what the leaf looks like. You can find these on Etsy. You can find them. I've seen them actually in stores as well. So some of the garden centers in Chicago that I've seen have had them. They're for available. Um, the stems, for the most part of the ones I've seen, have like orangey red stems. And then the leaves are just like a bright green, bright to like Kelly green, you know. I know there are some rare, more rare varieties out there like a variegated one and stuff like that. Philodendron in general are getting more expensive, especially for the one-off ones like these that you can't find them all the time, but they're they're around. I mean, you're going to be looking at like a, at least 100 bucks around that. And depending on the size of the plant, if there's variegation, you're upwards in the thousands. So these are definitely up there in rarity and findability. It's not very easy, but Etsy has them all over the place. So those are pretty cool. The next one I was going to review was philodendron bipinifolium, which is also commonly called horsehead's philodendron. This is actually, um, I should preface this with, of all of my books, I trusted the one that was just published in October of 2020 because that was the most accurate. And that was the Plantipedia book that I have. So this one was actually included in the book, just real quick care, bright indirect light, medium watering, medium humidity, um, and it's a climbing plant. That's that one. That one does look like it has a horse head. Like it's very unique in its shape. It has almost like a tunic shape, like a t-shirt tunic. <laughs> if you don't know what a tunic is, it's like a it's like a really long t-shirt dress thing. So that's kind of like the shape of it. That is also not a common houseplant and they are not selling as expensive as the previous one. You can find them, you can find cuttings, you can find smaller plants around 20 to 50. And the more expensive ones are usually going to be larger. They have irrigation or something unique about them that are going to put them in the hundreds. So there's that. The next one, Philodendron branchiatum, I think it's how you pronounce it. The most common variety of that one is called brandy, and it's really cool, actually. It's almost like a frosty colored leaf, almost silvery blue, and it almost looks like it has um, a silver powder. That's what it kind of looks like. It has like a silver powder in between the veins. So that's a really unique plant as well. Not easy to find either. Not necessarily super expensive but just not easy to find. So you can find cuttings probably around the $20 range again, um, small plants around that same price. You can find hanging baskets or larger plants even in like the $50 range. So they're not super expensive, not super rare, but not hard, or I'm sorry, not easy to find in a garden center setting. And there's that. The next one is Philodendron Elegans, which is also one of those that is not easy to find. If they have super, super thin leaves. When I say thin leaves, they have, oh, how do I do this? You know how Monstera have the fenestrations, the cuts in the leaves? These have like fenestrations as well, but it's very, very deep. And like in between the fenestrations is not a lot of leaf space. So it looks similar to like a palm leaf in a way, but a little bit more leaf if that makes sense. Super cool plants, not easy to find, 
you can find them. They are a little bit more expensive than the other ones I just talked about. So you can find some plants in the hundreds. Like when I was scrolling through Etsy, I was seeing them between like 100 to 300. And then the larger plants I saw upwards of four or 500. So they're definitely more expensive than the last couple. This one you don't hear much about on social media, but the the brandy one, the previous one, I've definitely heard of. So the next one, philodendron arabescens, is actually probably one of the more popular ones because this one is the very rare pink princess, white knight, white wizard, white princess. Um, and then Prince of Orange was categorized in here too. So this variety was also in the Plantopedia book. So real quick, bright indirect light, medium water, medium humidity, and that's the basic care for it. Philodendron in general are pretty simple to take care of in my experience. There's a few varieties out there that are a little bit harder, but I'll go over that in a little bit. But iridescence is those really fun, bright, colorful, variegated ones usually. So their leaf shape is very like chunky thin. <laughs> Oxymoron here. Uh, V-shaped, but like a rounded V, almost like a long U shape. The varieties I listed, like Prince of Orange, have chunks of like bubblegum pink in it or stripes, variegations of pink. White Knight has white, same with White Wizard and White Princess also. They all have like white variegation to them. Prince of Orange has like an orangey red foliage on the new growth and it fades into green eventually as it, the leaf matures. For this one... I didn't find a solid answer on what else was included in here, but I do know there's a lot of other hybrids out there that I couldn't find the Latin names for. And I listed those on the website as well, but there are varieties like Black Cardinal, Dark Lord, Imperial Green, Imperial Red, Majesty, Moonlight, Mia, Tangerine. All of those, I assume, are in the Philodendron Arabescens varieties, but I could not find that clarification anywhere. So I'm not gonna say they are, but based on the fact that Prince of Orange, according to Plantopedia, is in the same family, I would assume these are in that family as well, but I'm not sure. So I think there's a lot more plants of this variety, the Arabescens, that are out there. That's the Arabescens. The next one is Philodendron Gigantum which is just as it sounds. It is a giant leaf and it grows to be huge. I have only seen one of them. I saw one in a shop in Chicago called Sunnyside Plants. They were selling one. And let me tell you, it was huge. When I was in there, it was probably about four feet wide. And in the pot, it probably stood about three feet tall. But it's just like a giant v-shaped leaf and most of the time you're just going to find them in green i haven't really seen a ton with the variegation but they do exist the variegated ones are going to be really expensive and the green ones are going to be still just as expensive in sunnyside plants that was the only one i've ever seen actually sold from where i've shopped at least at that time on Etsy, they are available on there. I see, I should probably reference, I always reference Etsy because there are a ton of growers on there that do sell through that platform. The one specific I've talked about multiple times, the Green Escape in Florida, but there's multiple more on there that I've never bought from. I only trust these people because I've been following them on Instagram for a while, but I know there's people out there just like him. So I always reference it because usually pricing is pretty accurate, competitive, 
and they usually have like a give a good indication of whether or not the varieties are actually available around. So that's why I always go to Etsy. <laughs> um, but it is online too. So you can get like a smaller like variety, like a very a starter plant around maybe 30 to 50 bucks on there if you really wanted to. And I didn't see a ton of the larger varieties on there. I think they're pretty hard and rare to find. Although when I was searching, I did find the marble like variegation ones upwards of $300, $400 when I was on there. So I didn't see a lot of the larger green ones. I saw a lot of the variegated ones on there. So I'm thinking they're going to be around that same price. Variegated is always way more expensive than normal, at least for something like this. When it is variegated, it actually looks like more marbled than it does like the chunks of color to them like um, the arabescens usually do. So that's fun. The next one is Philodendron Gloriosum. This is also one that was in Plantopedia. So quick facts, bright indirect light, high moisture, high humidity. So this is one of those a little bit higher maintenance house plants out of the philodendrons. High moisture meaning it can't dry out really realistically. Should it be doused in water constantly? Probably not, but allowing it to dry out could lose leaves, could cause browning, all of that. Same with the humidity side, I think. So, Gloriosum is actually one of the more popular ones on social media right now, and the Green Escape does have some of these and varieties of them online right now, and he's selling them from anywhere, and these are Let's see, based on, I'm on Etsy right now looking. So they're probably about in a four inch-ish planter. The leaf size is about the size of his hand. It's a pretty big size leaf to begin with. He's selling them starting for 125 upwards of 165 for a few leaves. So that's a really good size. He has several other philodendron on here and I can talk about that later too, but he's selling starter plants for like the arabins or arabescens, I'm sorry, that I believe are arabescens, like Black Cardinal. He has McCloy's Finale Moonlight on here as well, and those are between 15 and 17, but they're all starter plants, so that's usually how I buy them when I buy them on there. So that's for his. His prices are usually pretty reasonable and very competitive, but you can find them for a lot more than that if you're searching online or searching through a collector or a grower or anything. I mean, around the pricing that I'm finding is around the same price that he's selling them for, if not higher. So that is Gloriosum. Gloriosum looks like more of a heart shape. It's a little bit of a wider leaf, and it does usually have a very distinct veining down the middle that some philodendron don't actually have. So it looks a lot more like a heart and it does have usually a little bit more white veining. The next one is philodendron hideraceum, which is probably one of the most popular varieties out there. And this is the one that I believe I called it scandens in my previous episode, my first episode. So I called it philodendron scandens. The reason I went off of that is I actually went off of the complete houseplant manual by Barbara Pleasant that was published in two, um, 2005. So it's now, you know, 2021. So some of the names might have been upgraded or updated or something like that. But scandens is still a synonym for hideraceum. I just want to clarify that piece of information. It's not incorrect, but philodendron hideraceum is what it should be called and is commonly called in the horticulture world. The other thing is 
I actually have been making a mistake that I just learned today researching online. So I used to call the green philodendron horatium philodendron cordatum, and they're not actually philodendron cordatum. Crazy. (laughs) I didn't know that, but I did find a few sources, only a few, like out of all the websites I looked at, I only found a few sources that said that cordatum is actually a totally separate plant. It's not considered a synonym. It grows differently. It's actually native to like different area than that the hydraceum are. Philodendron cordatum are actually not commonly used as houseplants. Philodendron hydraceum are actually the houseplant version of the trailing plants. These ones are the lemon lime, your Brazil, the newer varieties are Rio, Silver Stripe, and Philodendron Hydraceum, just that in itself, is that plain green one. I like to call it Jade, just to give it a name, but it's not usually called Jade. <laughs> so those are your trailing ones or your climbing, depending on what you want to do with them, but most people like to trail them. This was also in the Plantopedia book. This one said bright indirect light, medium watering, meaning humidity. So this, again, is one of those really easy varieties that I don't have them all in bright indirect light. I keep it medium to low moisture and sometimes no humidity. They're doing great that way. That's why philodendron are so easy. So they don't necessarily need those, but to thrive and grow the best, those are the things you need to give it. Now, I have another variety that I also got clarification on based on Plantopedia, based on what I found online. So philodendron hydraceum variety hydraceum is commonly confused with micans philodendron and it's not micans. So micans is like a complete different hybrid that isn't in the same category but this one the hydraceum variety hydraceum is so confusing but it's actually one of the higher maintenance ones. It does look super similar to micans. It's commonly called velvet leaf philodendron but micans is not it. So for this specific variety it likes bright indirect light, high moisture, high humidity. So this one's a little bit higher maintenance, but these varieties are really shiny, almost velvety, and have almost like a metallic sheen to them. These are also a heart-shaped leaf, similar to the just philodendron hydraceum that grow off the vine. They grow the same as the regular hydraceum. They just have the darker leaf and the shinier leaf. Okay, so those were like my two clarifications. I hope that makes sense. I'm going to jump into the next variety, which is philodendron hastatum. I think, which is there's a common variety called Silver Sword, which is becoming more and more popular, especially on social media. These have a very similar shape to the philodendron arabescens, but a little pointier. The leaves are actually a little bit smaller and the plant grows, uh, I think, overall a little bit smaller. And Silver Sword is almost silver, like it is so blue and silver. That's why it's called Silver Sword. So price-wise, I've seen these climb. So you could get a small plant, I think around maybe 25 bucks. Maybe you could get a cutting for cheaper than that. But if you're looking at a fuller plant, you're going to be looking at at least 50 bucks, if not higher than that. Since they do stay slightly smaller as in about three to five feet-ish, you're not going to find a super large version of these. Most people are going to have the six inch. Therefore, it's not going to be as expensive as some of those really, really expensive ones. So that's about half the varieties that I was going to talk about. So let's take a break for a hot second. Okay, the next one is Philodendron Mammy, 
which is very similarly shaped to the Philodendron Gloriosum, but maybe a little bit wider. And it does have very similar markings to the brandy philodendron, almost those powdery silver markings on them. This is one of those plants that grows very similar to Gloriosum, has the bigger leaf, and they are pretty rare and a collector's item. So this is on the more expensive side again. So if you're looking at a smaller plant, you're looking at at least 100 bucks. You're looking at a larger plant, you're looking at like at least three to $500, if not more. So these don't have as much speckling, or I should say coating as the brandy ones do, but they do have speckling and they do have some of that silvery speckling to it. There's not a better word for that, sorry. <laughs> okay, the next one is philodendron mayoi and this one is very i think it's similar to elegans but it's not as deeply cut fenestrations if that makes sense it's a little bit thicker leaves but it is still cut very similarly there's a variety called tahiti that is most popular out there that every time i was searching the mayoi it was coming up as tahiti as well so this one has this one is a little bit rare as well. So I was seeing cuttings upwards of $50 to $80 and I was seeing the actual plants around $100, $200 on Etsy alone. But this is actually a really much harder one to find. It might not be in on the top of anyone's lists for collecting. So that's why it's a little bit harder to find. When I was searching the Mayoi, it was coming up with a lot of the other different philodendron varieties that are, are a little bit more common. There's that one. The next one is philodendron melanocrysum, I believe. This was also housed in the Plantpedia's website. So for this one, it's bright indirect light, high moisture, high humidity again. So this is a little bit more of a high maintenance philodendron overall. This has a little bit more of a unique leaf as it's very similar to the what a micans would look like. It has a velvety, almost shiny leaf to it. New growth comes in almost like a brown or like an off green color and it becomes darker and darker as the leaf matures. This is a very rare one and a very big collector one. So I was seeing cuttings, just like non-rooted cuttings for like 60 bucks on Etsy. I was seeing plants start at around 100 and I saw plants go upwards of 300 or so. They could be more expensive out there, I don't know, but I did see them upwards of 300. So this is a bit more of a rare plant. These ones I never see in shops. Most of the ones of the rare ones, the high humidity, high moisture, you're not gonna find in the garden centers because they're so high maintenance. So the specific growers, especially like the tropical growers are gonna have these if you really want them. This also has somewhat of a heart-shaped leaf with white veining, like a darker white veining, almost like a pale green veining to it. That is that. The next one is philodendron pedatum, which is commonly called oak leaf philodendron. This was also in the Plantipedia's book, and the requirements for this are bright indirect light, medium watering, medium humidity. So a little bit lower maintenance overall. And this one does really look like it has a large oak leaf to it. These are also, I think, a little bit more of the rare varieties. You're looking at around 90, 100 bucks for a plant, a small like four inch plant for these. If you want a cutting, you're looking at like, you know, around $30 or so. Don't take my word on any prices, by the way. I'm just going based off of what I'm seeing on Etsy or overall. So 
I am not 100% sure if some of the cultivars that I know of are actually considered in this plant variety, I guess, but there is one that looks very similar to it called Florida Ghost, and I can't find the botanical name for that specific one. It almost has like a mint green or like light yellowing leaf to it, and some of it has speckling and variegation as well. So, I don't know if Florida Ghost is part of the Philodendron Podatum variety, but it does have a similar shape and it looks very similar to it. And I have that listed just in the hybrid section just because, again, I couldn't find the information for it. The shape is very similar to the horse head one, but it has a little bit more, it has a little bit longer stretches to it, to the leaf. It's like a thin, long horse head. <laughs> the next one is Philodendron plumini. This is a very popular one that I actually did hear of several times on social media. It is definitely a collector's one. It's one people want. I know the Green Escape had a couple of them available recently, if not right now. I mean, cuttings selling around 100 bucks. actual plants can go upwards of, you know, $500, $600 for these. They have a very, very, very similar growth habit to the Gloriosum and the Mammy. They also have a bit of silvering to it, like the Brandy does as well. It has like that silvery, almost powder speckling to it. This one doesn't have the veining quite like the Mammy did. It's mostly going to be green with the speckling. So that is the Philodendron Plowmeni. The next one, Philodendron Squamiferum. Such a weird Latin name. Squamiferum, I think. I'm not quite sure. This one actually is very unique to the rest of the Philodendron because of its stems. Its stems have almost like a bristly stem to it, and it's usually red. So it's commonly called, according to plant red bristle philodendron because it has those bristly red stems. The basic care is bright indirect light, medium moisture, medium humidity. So not a super high maintenance plant. I have seen these on social media as well. They're growing in popularity, I think, and they are on Etsy. And I think they're more of a rare variety because it wasn't coming up all of the time, but I'm thinking small cuttings were based on what I was seeing around 40 bucks, give or take. Plants were upwards of 80 to 100, if not more than that. I saw some upwards of 150, 200. This has a very similar shape head to the Oakley philodendron, the philodendron pedatum, and also that horse heads philodendron, the philodendron bipinifolium. So there's that. The next one is philodendron. Soderoy, I think is what it's called. This is also one of those higher maintenance houseplants and it was included in the Plantopedia book and the basic care was bright indirect light, high moisture, high humidity. So this was a little bit more high maintenance. Very, very similar variety again to the Brandy, but it's not going to have that bluish tint leaf. It's just going to have the green with the silvering to it. Very similar to that. Some varieties had Based on, I know there's going to be several different, I guess, cultivars in the varieties, but a lot of times it's just simply called its Latin name. So the ones that I was finding were just simply called its Latin name. The more mature varieties were getting larger leaves. And in the Plantopedia book, they did look like they were a bit larger of a leaf. So very similar to the Mammy as well and the Gloriosum size leaf. But this just has the green, almost heart-shaped leaf with more of a V point to the tip of the leaf. It has that silver speckling to it and just green overall. So that's that one. The next one is Philodendron Tati 
melanocorum, which was in also Plantpedia. This variety or this specific name was not coming up very often online. And I'm guessing it's because it's a variety of a variety or it was combined or something like that. But Plantpedia has stuff figured out. And this one, commonly you can find them in actually Rojo Congo and Green Congo or just called Congo, which is very, very common variety. And I actually, do I have Rojo Congo? I think I have that or Imperial Red. I can't remember. One of the two. This is where I thought maybe the philodendron arabescens was also some of those. Based on the leaf shape, maybe the black cardinal, imperial red, dark lord, majesty ones could be a part of this variety versus arabescens might be moonlight, mia, tangerine varieties. I'm not quite sure. I can't find it anywhere specifically. If anyone knows, please comment on the podcast episode or even on the blog post because it would always be interesting to know what actually is what or if there's actually a science to it. You know, some of those varieties that are hybrids could probably be a combination of like 10 different plants, so it was always really hard to pick a name, so they just didn't. I'm not quite sure, but that's what it looks like happened. Okay, the next one, we only have a couple more. It's philodendron tortum is the next one. It's commonly called skeleton key philodendron. It looks very similar to philodendron elegans, but it actually has deeper fenestrations. I'm not even sure fenestration is the correct term, honestly, but it has those deep cuts in the leaves. It has a lot deeper cuts to it and literally looks like a rib cage. So the requirements on this, according to Plantipedia, was bright indirect light, high moisture, high humidity again. So this one is a little bit higher maintenance, but I have heard of this one. I have seen it on social media. I believe this is one of the rare varieties out there. Cuttings, like small potted cuttings, were selling for upwards of 150 to 200 versus more mature plants were selling in the hundreds to potentially thousands. I mean, I was seeing them for several hundred dollars on Etsy alone. So it's definitely one of the rare ones and it's very sought after, or at least varieties similar to it is very sought after because that shape of a leaf doesn't come very often. The next one is philodendron varicosum. This was also in the Plantipedia just as an image basically, but the one note it said is to make sure it has high humidity. So that is definitely a note taken well. These are one of those rare varieties as well. Cuttings starting around 100 plants, you know, selling in the, hun- the multiple hundreds. The leaves are very similar to the Mammy, the Gloriosa, the very heart-shaped leaf. This one turns out very velvety and the stems are actually a little bristly as well. They're just not red like the red bristle philodendron. And when they first start to appear, the leaves almost have a brown tinge to them and they will turn darker and darker as they mature. So that is that one. The last one we're going to talk about with a specific variety and care and everything, philodendron warzawickii, I believe is how you pronounce it. This one is also very similar to Philodendron elegans, but not as deep cuts or not as deep of a fenestration to it. Uh, When I was researching online, there are a lot of almost lime green varieties. And then there's just the plain green. There is also variegated or a combination of them as well. They are a little bit harder to find, I noticed. And it was actually easier to find a little bit of the lime green varieties out there. They didn't seem as expensive as I thought they would be on Etsy, but also I had a hard time finding them. So some of the plants were in the hundreds and the 
propagations were also around $100. So I was expecting it to be even more expensive than that, but it, it wasn't. So I'm guessing a full plant would be in the hundreds again in the propagation or a small cutting would probably be in the around 100, maybe a little bit less than that. So that is the specific varieties. I know that was a ton of information, but I felt like I did not cover even close to that in that first podcast. And I just wanted to go over, like, those are the ones that you're going to commonly see or people are going to be looking for. Or when you're on Etsy, you will literally find these if you search them. Some of them might be a little harder to find than others if you're searching other places, but overall, that's what they are. So I listed all of those on the blog post and I listed any of the common names or the plant varieties that go specifically with that variety out there. The other two things variety-wise I want to talk about quickly is the philodendron hybrids. So I know I mentioned it earlier, but there are tons of plants that I didn't even talk about in the varieties above or before I was talking about it that are some of the most popular houseplants out there. So yeah, Pink Princess, I already mentioned those. Rojo Congo, I mentioned those. But there's Mykins, which wasn't even included in that. That is very, very popular. There's Burley Marks or Burley Marks Fantasy, which is also a very, very popular plant as well that I couldn't find a botanical name for for the life of me. There's also Thai Sunrise, which is also a popular one I have seen. There's Painted Lady, which is amazing. No botanical name to be found. Jose Bueno, Paricio Verde, I think is the name of that one. Golden Goddess, a Birkin, hello, Philodendron Birkin is one of the most popular ones out there. Not super expensive anymore because you can find it almost everywhere. I bought one at Walmart, I think, for $15. So not super expensive anymore, but they look expensive, let me tell you. It's beautiful. Um, anyway, <laughs> there's Imperial Green, Black Cardinal, Dark Lord, Majesty, Moonlight, Mia, Tangerine. All of those have a very similar shape to them, almost mounding somewhat of a bird's nest type philodendron form to them but I'm not sure what they're going to be classified because Moonlight, Mia, Tangerine, I know for sure are more bird's nests, almost like centered. But I know, for example, Black Cardinal eventually wants to grow upwards and either latch onto something or it's going to hang over the pot. So I'm, I'm not sure what they would be classified as if they were classified and I couldn't find it. Other ones are Ring of Fire, Pink Crocodile, those are really cool and I believe a common name for them is just philodendron narrow because they're super narrow leaves. They almost look like teeth going up the leaves. Very, very, very cool. Ring of Fire is a variegated one with like reds and oranges, like muted reds and oranges. Pink Crocodile is a pink variegated version of it. Super rare. I've only seen a couple just flipping through Etsy. But the Ring of Fire, I've seen several places in it, and I have seen Philodendron Narrow itself just in green as well. I believe I actually saw it at Water Farms in Nina. It was months ago, but I did see it there. I don't know why I didn't get it. Probably price. You guys know I'm cheap. Okay, and then I did mention Florida Ghost already. That's a very popular one as well. And then the last one is called Bob C, which is a highly fenestrated or has a lot of different like teeth, deep teeth in the leaves as well. So that one kept coming up as well as a common variety and I have seen it on social media here and there. But those other ones, super popular. Hybrids, don't have a specific name for, but I wanted to list them because they are out there. The last thing name-wise I want to talk about was the fact that some have been reclassified 
but are still commonly called philodendron. And I know I addressed this in the last podcast too, but just to refresh, several philodendron that people still call philodendron in shopping and even on social media, they're still called philodendron, but the actual real botanical name, Thalmodophyllum, is the actual botanical name, Thalmodophyllum, instead of philodendron. So it's Thalmodophyllum xanado, salome or selum, and bipinnatophyllum, which are all technically called tree philodendrons, just depends on the size. So xanado is one of those miniature ones. I have one of those. The leaves are really small, um, maybe about three inches long, and they stay fairly small around, it's really, really compact, two to three feet. Selum is also in that realm. There's a variety called hope that is also in that realm. And bipinnatophyllum is actually one of those bigger ones. So I just want to put that out there because they have been reclassified and renamed. Okay, that is all of the specific variety talk. I'm just going to go briefly over sun, water, fertilizing, all that stuff because it really depends on the actual plant for some of them. But I'm just going to give you a general overview. And I did have one question on Instagram that I just wanted to address. It actually can be addressed for many other plants, but I'll go over it anyways. So let's get into that. Okay, so this is going to be real quick. So sun requirements, most of them need bright indirect light to really thrive, but a lot of them can handle medium just fine. For me, I have philodendron hideraceum. I have a ton of them because we're using those for our wedding, and I have some of the hybrid varieties. So I have Prince of Orange. I have McCloy's Finale. I have, I believe it's called Lemon Lime or Lime or something like that. And then on, oh, I actually have two Imperial Red as well. I have a mini one and I have a big one. I have a Birkin as well. I'm forgetting all this stuff. Yeah, okay, that's that. And then for the Hideraceum varieties, I have Brazil. I have just plain Hideraceum. I have Lemon Lime. And then I do have one Philodendron Mykins, but it's a pretty small one. For all of those, I do not add humidity to them. Sometimes I will mist them. It's not very often that I miss them, though. None of them are near my humidifier. None of them are directly in a window anywhere. One of them, my actually my larger imperial red has a grow light near it, pointing towards it. That's on for about like maybe 10 to 12 hours right now. And then it's not very light though, let me tell you. And then I do have a grow light sitting over a lot of my Brazils and lemon limes because I need, those are a little bit smaller. I need those to grow by next summer <laughs> when I get married. And then... I do have some of the regular philodendron hideraceums just like in a north window and they're doing great. So I have some of them off a north window and they're doing great too. So specifically for sun, bright indirect is the best possible moment you can give them, but they can literally handle medium as well, if not a little bit less than medium. So that's that. Water requirements, most of them only require medium to low moisture. All of the varieties that I listed that I have, I let dry out before I water them. And the Hideraceum varieties will get a little wilty when they're dry. So there's that. There are those few exceptions I mentioned earlier, which are the Gloriosum, the Hideraceum variety Hideraceum, which looks like the Mykins but isn't the Mykins. That crap. And then there's the Tortum, <laughs> which also needs the higher moisture. So, those were the three of the varieties that I listed that do need a little bit higher moisture. 
if you are unsure whether or not you should be watering them, because it is, in my experience, better to underwater these than overwater them, you could always get a moisture meter reader. I linked it again on my blog post. I just linked the search on Amazon. That way you could choose the one you need. For overall humidity for these, like I mentioned earlier, not near a humidifier doesn't require a lot. I'm never going to put it near a humidifier unless I buy one of those higher maintenance ones. So the ones that I listed that need more water, higher moisture, also need higher humidity. So unless I were to get one of those, I wouldn't be prioritizing these for humidity either. So I have like, I have a Mandevilla, I have Calatheas, I have a Maidenhair Fern, I have Bird of Paradise, Fishtail Palm, Fiddly Fig. Those are all near my humidifier. And those will always win over the philodendron for me in fight for my one humidifier. <laughs> okay, so fertilizer, I don't even know if I need to address this because it's the same every single time, but I fertilize every two weeks about from about February to October and I probably only fertilize one more time in winter and I use the Spoma indoor plant food and I use about three-fourths, maybe do a half of the recommended amount diluted in water. So I'm just going to read the Practical Houseplant book listed the philodendron hideraceum, but they called it scandens. They said apply a balanced liquid fertilizer once a month from spring to fall. They also listed the xanado philodendron, or it's technically thomatophyllum xanado. They also listed this one as well. So it said apply a high nitrogen balanced liquid fertilizer monthly in spring and fall, then every other month in fall. So again, Fertilizing is literally up to you. Do what you want. I am just using up my Espoma liquid plant food right now, and I am going to try a Fox Form product once that's gone. I did mention that a few podcast episodes ago as well. So I'll post that once I actually start using it on the products I use blog post. Okay, so next is propagation. It depends on the variety of how you should propagate it. The three main ways of doing it are stem cutting, air layering, and division. So, stem cutting is by far the more popular one, the more successful one, based on all of these varieties. The next one is air layering, and that's going to be, obviously, for more of the climbers, the woodier plants, and division is more of those bird's nest type situations. So, on the blog post, I listed all the varieties that I talked about. I put them in categories of the stem cutting, air laying, division, that way, division, dividing, that way you know what is what. I'm not going to list them all because that's a lot of names. I also wanted to say I've propagated my philodendron hideraceums several times. Like If I think it's getting slightly too long, I cut it, I put it in water, I root it. There we go. Brand new plant. Super easy. Now, my philodendron arabescens are the hybrids I have not done just because, as you know, I'm a cheap plant parent. They're not big enough to propagate. And the one that probably is big enough to propagate, I don't want to. So I think I could possibly do it with my, I think it's the imperial red, the larger imperial red one I have. I could do it with that one right now if I really wanted to, but I don't want to. That's that. All right. The couple other random facts. It's part of the Eraceae family, which is also home to Diffenbachia, Monstera, and Therium. It's native to the South America, Caribbean area is where philodendrons in general are native to. The term philodendron loosely translates to tree-loving, not even though, you know, not all philodendrons are vining. These, some of them do flower, but I mean, I wouldn't expect it indoors. It's not something that it's grown for. It's mostly grown for the foliage. 
I did read in when I was doing my first podcast that some people are allergic to the sap and it could cause irritation. And this overall is a toxic plant, so just watch out for that. Podcast episode 31 and there's a corresponding blog post goes into more detail if you want more information, but that's all the other facts I have for you. So for the Instagram Q&A, the one question I got was, can you fertilize a cutting in water? Which, you know, is actually something I always debated on doing, but I knew probably it wasn't the best idea. And I was right based on more research. So I do know that using a rooting hormone or a stimulant is definitely okay to use. So I know Bonide produces a couple of those products. I also saw that there's a couple of homemade things you can use like in your spice rack for root growth as well. But that's a totally fine thing if you want to stimulate root growth. The problem with most fertilizers is most of the time, even if it's a balanced fertilizer, it's more focused on top growth rather than root growth. So if you were to use like a balanced fertilizer, it's going to try to push out the new foliage and it's not going to focus on the root growth. If you're propagating in water, your main goal is to grow roots. So why would you slow down that process and fertilize it when fertilizing is going to focus on the top growth? Does that make sense? I hope so. So basically putting a fertilizer in a water propagation station is not helpful. Using a rooting hormone is helpful. Usually the rooting hormone, you would literally dip the tip of the stem into it and then do it that way. But I hope that answers your question. Obviously start fertilizing as soon as you plant it. I did see a couple of resources even say if you want to wait till the root system is established and you plan on leaving it in the water, you can fertilize it once the root system is much more established. But it does not recommend using it overall when you're first trying to focus on root growth. Okay. Whew. Wow. That's a big part too. <laughs> Thanks for listening to episode 40 of Houseplant Homebody, all about philodendrons, but part two. <laughs> Don't forget to check out the blog post that corresponds with this podcast. If you go to houseplant-homebody.com and go to the blog tab, you'll find it there. Also, there are links to Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC on my website. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure you're doing all the commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast, my blog, and social media posts. I love to hear from all of you and what you've learned through your own experience or through this podcast. And you can also help support your favorite podcast and blog by joining me on Patreon for early access to podcasts, exclusive content, and exclusive podcasts. So your support means everything to me and I am very excited to keep bringing you plant bios and information. And don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for more podcasts and corresponding blog posts. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Hello, hello. So I don't really have much to say, but for those of you who actually listened to the very end, I wanted to give you a sneak peek of what podcast episodes I was going to do next. So if you aren't already signed up for my newsletter, I do put it there every single time for the next two months, you know what episodes are coming, you know, except for the last, the previous two months, I changed my mind. But this time I'm not changing my mind because I do like what I'm doing. So the next episode will be Landscape Plants Part 2, simply because I wanted to actually talk about fall plants and timing of planting, flowering, all that good stuff. So it'll be good time for it. That one's going to be released on the 31st. The next one is being released on September 14th, which is going to be the Wisconsin and Illinois Plant Shop podcast. 
I'll be putting a question out there. If there's anything you guys want to hear about or want to see or whatever, um, let me know for that one. But I have been to several of the plant shops so far. Um, so I won't be reporting on all of them. I'll just be reporting on the ones that I've been to myself. And then the next one after that, that is releasing on September 28th is Maidenhair Fern. Those are the next four podcasts. So this is the last specific houseplant podcast until the end of September. But if you have questions in between, let me know and I will pose the podcast episode questions for those ones and get into that a little bit. So yeah, there's that. Hope you guys have a great week and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.